Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello! And welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry. And as always, this is my co-host. And my name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are riled up. We are... <laughs> I don't know what... I'm excited to talk about this because it's so ridiculous. We are excited to talk about the 1989 buddy cop cliche tango and cash i'll tell you one thing whoever set us up is really connected what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing relax soak and don't flatter yourself meet ray tango he likes money he's a kong he's a go but doesn't bother with cash meet gabe cash he won't dance around trouble and doesn't mind stepping on toes. I hate you karate guys. Two of L.A.'s top rival cops are having a good time staying in rhythm. You know me, huh? Yeah, I hear you're the second best cop in L.A. That's funny. I hear the same thing about you. But they're going to have to work together, even if it kills them. Like now! We'll take it. No. That's one of a kind. We won't put a scratch on it. Did you sleep with my sister? I was so drunk, I honestly, I don't remember, okay? Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. <laughs> Tango and Cash. Okay, do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. As you said, Tango and Cash is a 1989... American buddy cop action comedy film starring Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Jack Palance, and Terry Hatcher. Stallone and Russell star as Raymond Tango and Gabriel Cash, two rival LAPD uh, narcotics detectives who are forced to work together after the criminal mastermind Yves Perret, Jack Palance, frames both of them for murder. Okay, there you go. Yves. Is it Y V E S? Y V E S. I don't know that they ever used the first name in the you know, film. When but... you when you are casting a Frenchman, you think Jack Palance. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. Of, we'll get into this, but there's a lot of like, why do you have? Why do people have uh, accents? Things in this. There is so much. There's so, so let's much. just okay. jump into it. The very yeah. beginning. So it starts with Stallone. And he's doing a drug bust, and they're out in the desert, and there's this truck barreling down on. And there's them. a helicopter. Yeah, there's a helicopter chasing, and all this, and there's a there's a truck barreling they're saying, down. They're saying, "Tango, Tango, we're out of our jurisdiction. But back off, drop it. You know, this is not. You know, we can't do this." And he's got a helicopter eye in the sky, saying, "Abort." And he yeah. says, "He's in a sports car in a three piece like Armani suit." Yes. Racing this gasoline truck, we assume, with some criminals in it. We don't assume it's a gasoline truck. We see that it's a gasoline truck, but we assume there are criminals in it. And he says something. Everything these guys say is like a zinger, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not just like Mr. Freeze freezes somebody and says, ice to see you. It's like everything they say is a zinger. And so they're like, they're like we're out of our jurisdiction, jokes. and he has a zinger, right? They're terrible. Yeah. But they're like, 
but they're like dad jokes all through it, you know? I mean, they're not even the typical action star dumb one-liners. I didn't feel like they're just jokes your dad would make. They're homophobic Yeah, we'll get into that stuff. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But this is 1989. Like, this isn't deep. You know, this this is like crazy. And so I'll just say that, you know, uh lethal weapon came out two years earlier right lethal weapon they were trying a, really hard to be lethal oh weapon. my god so so obviously trying to springboard on the success of this and i'll just say because i want to take your notes thank you for doing this and go through it sure, sure, yeah. because it's too much garbage to cover in an hour but mm-hmm. i will just say i was telling rach this earlier Watching this movie, like I love Kurt Russell. I I love Kurt Russell, and I mm-hmm. think he does his plucky best to like cheerfully gallivant his way through this movie. You know, and he's very to... trouble in Little China in this. Exactly, you know? exactly. He is playing the music that has been written for him, and he is committing to it. Stallone thinks he is hilarious. Stallone thinks he's Robin Williams. Stallone thinks he's Dave Chappelle. And it made me so angry every time Stallone delivers one of his punchlines, air quotes that you can't see, because he's just, whatever Sylvester Stallone is, he's not funny, you know? And yet he is convinced that certainly in this period of his movie making, you know, two years later, he made Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. It's just like, I don't, I, I can't, I can't explain it any more clearly than this, but the feeling I was feeling in my seat on the couch watching this last night was anger. It made me angry um, because it's so, so, so stupid. Kurt Russell, the, so the material is infantile and... Frequently in 2021, frequently it's offensive, right? Mm-hmm. And I know it wasn't made in 2021. It was made in, in 89. But it, it thinks it's Beverly Hills Cop. It thinks it's, uh, you know, Lethal Weapon. Right it's, down to the music, it's Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll, we'll get into it. But I just, oh, it's, it's bad, bad. It's, uh, it's real bad. So a point about Stallone, I remember, so I, going into this, I don't know if I ever had seen this movie in its entirety before. I don't know that, I th- I think I maybe caught bits and pieces of it on TV, but I didn't rem- remember much of it. But I did remember, I do remember pretty clearly the promotion of this. The two of them went on you know, they were on Oprah together promoting this movie. I remember at the time and, you know, they went on all kinds of talk shows and everything. And this movie I think is very much Stallone's real personality. He does think he's funny. And uh, because I remember him making these kind of jokes in, in interviews, I think he, um, you know, Stallone isn't a dumb guy. He, he, he got pigeonholed as a dumb guy because people thought he was Rocky. Um, you know, and, and he's not. And I'll you know. just interject. And because because Rocky, which he wrote and directed and starred in, he directed it? Not the first one. He directed the third and the fourth. And I but don't know. He wrote, but he wrote. He wrote. He wrote the original. Yeah. And starred in it, of course. 
Mm-hmm. And and Rocky, the character is if you especially if you go back and watch Rocky one, uh, is you know he's not a thinker. He's not he's he's guy, he's, a, he's illiterate literally. He's a guy um, with heart, and that's yeah. what makes him the underdog. But uh, so you say he gets typecast as Rocky, but it, in part because Rocky was so great. Like mm-hmm. and so you say he's not a dumb guy. He's Definitely not a dumb guy. He's a very successful Hollywood player and has been his whole career. And he's absolutely not without talent. But I don't, I can't recall anything that I've seen him in that I actually thought he was funny. But he very clearly. He's not a comedic actor, no. He thinks he's hilarious. He does, yeah. Yeah. So back to, so the the helicopter's chasing the car and the, the tanker and all that stuff. And um, so then they it gets to where what he gets out ahead of them somehow, and he is going to stop the truck by shooting at them. And the the guys are barreling down on him, and they're like, "He's crazy! He's crazy!" And he shoots, and they hit the brakes, and the guys go through the windshield, right. and it's like the windshield is like the glass that you would have in a picture frame or something. It just, you know, they just go right through it with ease. That, they hit the crap and they're they stamp the They stamp the brakes and they go through the windshield yeah. as though they hit a cement pylon. Like, yeah. if you stamp on the brakes, you can't brake so hard that you go through the windshield. No. That's not how cars work. No. But they hit if, the ground and they're fine. You know, if anything, not- it's a tanker truck. If anything, the truck jackknifes. But it yeah, doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So and it was then, crazy. Then the troopers whose jurisdiction it apparently is show up and his his uh, like chief of police inexplicably shows up like they're out in the middle of the desert and suddenly everyone is there. Suddenly there's a hundred people there and whatever, you know, state trooper guy whose jurisdiction it is big blonde dude with like you know, uh, aviator mirrored aviator shades and is in his face screaming and it's a territorial pissing contest. Like this is my, what are you, I'm going to have your ass for this. Like, and you're like, yes, because this is how things work, right? This is in the real world. Yeah. This is how cops interact with each other. I, I had the thought from this very first scene and, and many scenes throughout that this had been written by a 12 year old who didn't get out particularly often and only, you know, only (laughs) education was cop movies. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That only had watched the a team and, you know, others selected that's their understanding of physics and police, you know, law enforcement in general and bad guys was basically this kind of, you know, not particularly mature 12 year olds conceptualization. The other thing is that everybody swears in this, um, it just it's just like peppered in. It's like if you took a box of curse words and threw it up in the air above the script and it just wherever it fell, like sometimes it'll cut back to another character whose only line is to curse, mm-hmm. you know, so like somebody gets away and they cuts back to the guy who chases him and he has a line and they push in on him and he swears and then they run off and you're like because that's forwarding the plot we really need to you know what i mean so it's it's so it's so thin and it's so juvenile that 
it's not like they're swearing as ad libs, which is what a lot of actors do as filler to sort of emphasize, you know, when you're ad libbing something, you'll pepper in some curses to kind of make it sound important that Mm -hmm. then a wise editor goes and takes out later. No, these are clearly written into the script. Yeah. And do you recall the, the one liner that Stallone had in this scene? Vaguely. Uh, so, so they're like, he's like, why don't you check the, you know, check the thing. And they're like, we opened the thing. It's full of gas, you know, cause it's a gas tanker. And he mm-hmm. goes, well, well, why don't you juggle the other thing? And they're like, yeah, well, there's nothing there. And so they're like, come on, but we're going to, we're getting you out of here. And they kind of grab his arms like he's just murdered a couple of kids or something, right? They're hauling mm-hmm. him away. And he breaks himself loose and he pulls out his stumbles revolver and he fires. And the other guy thinks he's shooting at him. He's like, oh, he ducks down. But he's shot the side of the gas tanker. And out of the gas tanker comes this fountain of white powder uh-huh. and he goes oh, oh look at this this must be christmas looks like it's <laughs> snowing <laughs> well, and of course it's full of cocaine yeah and then so everybody's sort of like oh gee whiz you know and then they don't do this but they might as well be sort of clapping him on the back it's a complete 180 mm-hmm. and he's the hero you know like, oh there's so what's his name again it's something tango raymond tango raymond ray tango Not Johnny. It should be Johnny Tango. Mm -hmm. Right. Because Mm -hmm. it's like they it's like they they wrote it as Johnny Tango. And then they thought, no, that's too stupid. Let's make it Raymond Tango Mm -hmm. because that will be less stupid. Well, maybe it's less stupid, but it's just worse. And the other guy's <laughs> yeah. Gabriel Cash, right? Gabriel, Gabe. like Gabe. They they yeah, wanted Gabe it to Cash. be Tango and Cash, but then they didn't want to double down on those names. So they they thought up names that are like no, but a real person wouldn't be named Johnny Tango, and I can't even think of what a good name for Cash would be. But Johnny Cash, he <laughs> did walk the line. He did uh, so. You know what I'm saying? It's like this whole thing sure, is sure. so derivative. Wait, I'm getting way yeah. ahead of myself, but let's finish the scene. Oh, that's so, okay. So then there's so a just fountain be... of cocaine well, that he goes over and he tastes. As, a, as though we have any, oh, it's actually full of play sand. No, it's it's clearly cocaine. And he goes mm. over and he tastes it. And he's like, oh, he has some other witty whatever about how it's cocaine. Right? Mm. Well, well, just prior to that, but prior to him shooting the thing, when they're still... He doesn't have them on his side and the and the you know, the guy is they're having the pissing match or whatever. The the guy says the other cop says something about, you know, Rambo over here and Oh, he and thinks Stallone, he's Rambo. Yeah, or he thinks he's Rambo and Stallone goes, Rambo's a pussy. And then and then is when he shoots the thing. <laughs> it's Stallone not wanting to be pigeonholed as Rambo, yeah. In his other roles. So then after the the cocaine thing has happened. So there's this big crime scene with cops everywhere and a limousine pulls up and the window of the limousine rolls down and then, you know, they're inside the limousine and it's Jack Palance and his henchman who is this drug lord guy who just happens to drive by the big the, crime scene the to middle, roll his window down. The middle look. of the desert. Yeah. And he's like, Tango. Raymond oh, Tango. I and, gotta and, say, I, I just gotta say that 
I think that Jack Palance was one of the most enjoyable parts of this. Absolutely. Movie. He's perfect as a villain because I am, have always been convinced that Jack Palance was clinically insane. I always yeah. thought the guy was nuts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he had that great tango, that great oh, delivery, you know, that he had. He's always um, sort of breathing and uh, tasting, tasting his own words. Did you ever watch it, Ripley's Believe It you, or Not? You can't take your he, eyes off him. No, I don't. Ever, I don't think I saw that. Really. So there was a. He did a show. This would have been like probably early '80s, but I, I watched it when I was a kid. Ripley's Believe It or Not, and it was just a, you know, all these weird Ripley's Believe It or Not things. But he would, he was the he was a great host, and he would say Ripley's Believe It or Not. That's you know well, that's I, how he would he would introduce. I, think I every, did see that. He yeah. it lent a kind of a it lent a kind of a Twilight Zoney. Atmosphere. I mean, it was real it was life like, things. It wasn't fictional stories. Right, it was right, but you know. it was real life things. It was real life mm. things with a kind of an X Files or um, there was a there was a kind of a supernatural not twist to it. It was real life things, but it'd be like shrunken heads. Yeah, or be about mummies or something like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, stranger than fiction kind of thing. That was very like, oh, this is totally cool. Like, oh, you like Indiana Jones? Well, here's a real mummy's tomb. But they really played into that. Like, they would pull the brains out through the nose mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I do remember that. So it was basically a show for kids with this weird old man, you know, hosting it. But yeah, so yeah, Jack, Jack Palance is great casting. I I think he's a great he's a great villain. I, I mean, think he's the most interesting guy do. in the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So after we have the big drug bust, this was one of the other things that I loved about this. <laughs> we got to get to the mice. Speaking back, man. We'll get to the. He's, so, got, he's got a box of mice. Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. So after the after the drug bust, we find so Stallone. Stallone is the like the uptown guy. He's in Beverly Hills, and um, and you know, like he said, he wears like you said, he wears the Armani suits and Kurt Russell is the downtown guy. He's the blue collar guy, but they are celebrities that the media covers everything that they do. Like, are there police detectives anywhere that like it's Tango gets another drug bust? You know, when does that happen that the media is going around like covering the exploits of specific police officers? That's not a thing. It it never happens. And that leads me to, so then we meet, then we meet Gabriel Cash, who is the other hotshot detective. Are they in and LA? Over who's the top cop in LA? It's LAPD, right? And they're they're mm-hmm. sort of competitive on like, and they have different styles. And this is uh, Kurt Russell with sort of a shoulder length mullet, slash feathered. You know, it's of the time. It's very lethal weapon, frankly. Yeah, I like um, it. I got. I got to say, people, people, you know. Uh, you make fun of mullets, mullets now, but I thought I thought it was a great look at the time. I, at the time, thought, at know. the time, it was the peak of cool. At the yeah, time, exactly. it was the peak of cool, and it, you know when you had Prince in the Revolution, you had Sheila E. She, Sheila E. had that haircut, and we when uh, when a Tango's sister comes out and does her stage act, she's got a couple of Sheila E. electronic drums that she's banging on, and I'm just like, wow, this that is- whole scene was insane so, as well so 1989 um anyway so we meet him and he comes up in this really snazzy 
um, antique convertible sports car, like a really mm-hmm. nice uh, restored classic sports car. Black. I don't know enough about cars to know exactly what model it is. I wasn't sure what it was drive, myself. And there's a bunch of people kind of crowding around him being like, um, you know, detective cash, detective cash or whatever. And he pulls in and this sort of garage door comes down and he's smirking like eat my dust suckers. And he gets out of his car and his, you know, two car garage. And he goes walking up into his apartment, which is a dump. It's a, it's a yeah. rat hole. And yeah. you think, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, this is definitely two locations. Like where is the place in LA that's got a two car garage with the garage door that comes down. The guy gets out of his, you know, Seinfeld collection, you know, classic restored sports car and mm-hmm. walks upstairs. And suddenly this is the flea bitten, you know, this is the guy who's like, laid on his rent two months and the, the, the super's banging on his door being like, cash, where's, you know, you're out. If you don't give me the money, like it's a dump. And so this place is this Frank, this movie is this Frankenstein uh, of cliches about buddy cop movies. And, you know, it, it just expects us not to notice the disparities. So, and then I know that I'm, I, I know that I'm ranting here, but, Hmm. Tango is a guy who is a stock broker. He's not a broker, but he plays the stock market. There's even a scene where like his superior officer in the cop force is like, he's like, you're rich. You dress like a banker. You know, you why do you, why are you even doing this? Like, you don't need this. He's like, the action. It's the action. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, people don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. People aren't detect. Rich people aren't, you know, beat detectives on the exactly. LAPD. That just isn't a thing. Right. Anyway, sorry. Back to back to your notes. Oh, uh, no, I mean, that that's fine. So, you know, they um, I mean, my notes kind of cut to later, but I don't know if you want to get into. So he's in the so cash is in the apartment and this Asian guy comes busting through the window or his mirror or whatever and shoots him. And he yeah, falls he's on the out fire the window or something. An yeah. assassin. He falls uh, out an the Asian window. Guy with a flat top. Mm-hmm. Just, just tries to gun him down, and there's a. They shoot up the whole apartment, right? And then they, they so they end up back down in the parking garage. Or yeah, they wind up in a parking garage. Yeah, a parking garage. And this is the first of many scenes that is like a. It's like a crash up derby. Mm-hmm. They, there is a Russian guy whose car cash appropriates. Police, business, give me your vehicle. This is my car, Perestroika. He's got a bunch of Christmas <laughs> presents for some reason. Uh-huh. And and it cuts back to cash. Welcome to America, right? He, he yeah. proceeds to destroy his car. The other guy is like. I don't know what commentary that was on the time. Uh, the wall hadn't fallen yet, so I don't know. I don't know what they were getting at. You know, I I kind of assume the the thing like with with uh, with rain with uh, Tango being a stock, you know, into stocks and all that kind of thing. I I, I kind of took that as some minor commentary on you know everybody being obsessed with money in the eighties. I don't know, but, but I didn't really get, I didn't get what the Russian guy in the, in the parking garage, what that was 
supposed to be a reference to or anything. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but guess... they they have one of the most destructive car chases in a parking garage I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. They hit basically every car they can possibly hit. The assassin somehow is driving like a monster truck, like it is a pickup on huge, you know, suspension, big like tractor tires. Um, and, you know, they're, they're alternately chasing each other around the garage and, and smashing into other vehicles. And it's just, I almost wanted like cue the banjo music as they, you know, uh, pinball around this parking garage. Um, eventually he gets the, uh, cash gets the drop on the guy somehow. I don't even remember how. And he gets arrested, gets hauled off to the police. So, but he. So let me stop you there for just a second. So the again, you know, you're not looking to action films for realism necessarily, but the guy shoots him in the chest. So you're like, okay, he's he has a bulletproof vest on. You know, he he falls out the window. I think. Then they have the the crash up derby thing where he finally stops the guy by running into him with his car. Right. And it's completely unfazed. You know, unfazed. he just gets out and there's not a scratch on him. You know? And I don't want to be too technical about a movie like this, but, you know, no. bullet, bulletproof vests are amazing. They save <laughs> lives. But if you got shot, you're going to be hurt. You it's know, gonna, it's at the very least, it's going to bruise your ribs. It might break your ribs. Like it's, yeah, you just don't get up and immediately start running after somebody. It's incredibly you know? painful. You're not yeah. uninjured after getting. It saves your life. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but he rips it off and like his chest is like a little bit red, you know, and he's just like, oh, I got to change my shirt, you know. <laughs> I mean, this guy, right? So then they get him back to the station, and this was the first like thing that I remember as absolutely quackers. Um, they have the guy in there and they like they've interviewed him and he's like oh he doesn't speak any english and he goes let me interview him and they're like what it's like yeah let me interview him and everybody in this movie when they're basically tango or cash openly proposes breaking the law they kind of almost literally shrug and roll their eyes like oh boy you know so somehow he ends up he goes to the bathroom where this this perp is, you know, at a urinal. And oh, yeah, let me. So I got to stop you again for just a second. So I'm like, so he's standing there, and I was confused for a minute because I was like, is that a different guy? Is that a cop who looks just like that guy? And it's like, no, that's the. And they just have him there going to the bathroom. Like there's right. nobody. Like, and he's got a like a police uh, escort. But yeah. this is a dude that just shot through a window, you know, and then did a <laughs> he's huge, not like, all he's, chained up. He's clearly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he's just got a cop escort. And when Cash walks in, he kind of makes the, you know, kind of wink, wink, thumb, beat it, pal, to the other cop. And the other cop's kind of like, oh, okay, and leaves. So it's just Cash and this guy who tried to kill him who ostensibly doesn't speak English, this Chinese guy uh, in, in this bathroom in the police station. And he goes, they, they go on this whole thing about, um, Oh, it's time for English lessons. Right. And he ends up Mm -hmm. knocking the guy down and grabbing a chair and putting the chair, which has a crossbar between the legs over the guy's throat. 
and sort of sits mm-hmm. on it backward style and he tips it forward, ostensibly crushing the guy's windpipe, right? And he says, you know, lesson one, I don't remember the details of it, but he's trying to get the guy to talk. And eventually right. the guy does, he says something like, I don't know. And he's like, oh, see, that's great. You're already learning English. And it's um, it's a depiction of, now, I'm not a bleeding heart anything, but it is a depiction of police flagrantly disregarding uh, you know, the law in order to be, this guy's a bad guy, right? So we can do whatever we want to him. It's a depiction of torture. It's a racist depiction of this guy assuming a bunch of Chinese stereotypes about this guy. And then another cop walks in while he is torturing a confession out of this guy. And he's sort of like, Hey, what's going on here? And, and, uh, cash looks up and goes English lessons. And then the guy, I kid you not, the guy does kind of an eye roll. It's like a vaudeville, like, oh, brother, you know, and leaves Mm -hmm. so that he can continue. And he does. He gets a name or, a, you know, it turns out it's a setup, but he gets an address out of this guy. And and then he goes to this place where I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But I'm watching this scene. I'm like, I don't think even in Lethal Weapon was it so cavalierly depicted this kind of good cop, bad cop or bad cop, awful cop celebrated in this way. And I know we're looking at it in 2021. We're looking at it in hindsight now that we have body cam video of, you know, people basically just murdering folks, but watching it, it, I guess it doesn't stand up to time. It's certainly not funny to me. What did you, what did you think? No, I agree. And they were very heavily playing on this wasn't very much an 80s action movie trope of you, uh, you know, the the bureaucrats and the bleeding hearts, uh, they don't understand. You've got to be you know, these people are scum and this is how you, you got to bend the, the rules and break the rules. You got to be because tough on these guys. Yeah. You got to be tough on these guys and the, and the, the higher ups, you know, they're not going to let you do it, but you just got to ha- take the law into your own hands, you know, right. because that, because, because you, if you don't, you know, they're going to tie your hands. And, and um, that was record, very much an eighties, eighties action movie trope. And, and for the record, I don't have any, uh, particular sympathies with the bad guys, especially as depicted in the two-dimensional way they are in these films. Sure. Except that it's obviously a very slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. We've we've seen how how steeply that slope can tilt uh, mm-hmm. all too well. But anyway, so we move on from that flagrant uh, violation of the law into him and then we find out that uh tango has also gotten some sort of a tip from somebody wearing a wire and it's right. this address so they both independently are kind of converging on this address and then we cut back to the bad guys and it is i suppose jack palance is a frenchman i didn't know his name but i suppose he's a Frenchman. i mean by the name i guess but he never sounds like he's french no he sounds like jack palance <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and he's the big boss, and he's got a Chinese guy who runs either the east or the west side or something, and he's got what's ostensibly a supposedly a Latino guy who runs the west side, although the actor 
looks more Italian to me. But anyway, that's just me being racist, I guess. Anyway, they uh, are they're like, why don't we just kill him? And he's like, oh, no, no, I, I have a better plan. And he's like, so he takes these two mice out of this box he has on his desk and sort of kisses them and smells them for a while, which is deeply weird. And then he's like, as he's explaining his plan, he walks over to this other. First of all, it's only in the 80s do people have an office that is like 2,000 square feet. <laughs> right? Like this this office is like a hair, airplane hangar. And he it's walks, all gray inside, but it has neon lights in it and things. Right. You know. And he so he walks over to this big table that he's got in another wing of his office. And it turns out that this whole table is a glass-topped rat maze. And he opens up little things. He's like, Tango and uh, Cash. And he puts the two mice in, and the mice are sort of now in this maze looking confused. And and he says, we're going to frame them and send them to prison. And then um, if we kill them, we make them martyrs. But So we're going to frame them and send them to prison, and then they won't be a problem anymore, basically. Right? That's right. The, and, and, and the mice thing, you get the feeling watching it, I could be wrong, but maybe there were, they show the mice a couple of other times and he loves the mice, you know, they're his pets, but you get the feeling he, that there which was... Which he keeps in a box. Yeah, he keeps in a box, yeah. He loves them, uh, but they're in a box. Like an enameled, like a lacquered, no air holes, it's not a cage. It is a no. box like you would keep a ceremonial Japanese knife for the Yakuza to cut off their finger in penance for something it's just a a box where you would keep like chair but he's got a couple of live mice in there anyway but do you think there's going to be some purpose for the mice but that never goes anywhere they just show him interacting with these mice a couple of times so i don't know if that was something that was cut out or i doubt you you know i don't know but it's just you're assuming that this movie ever ran deeper than it than we get true true True. Maybe it's just, it, you know, bad guys have odd pets. Whole, I don't know. The whole thing is so pleased with itself. It is so pleased with itself. It just thinks it's the best movie that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. And every line is the cleverest thing that's ever been uttered on screen. And the bad guys, you know, there's a a heavy who you will recognize from Blade Runner and other things who has the slicked back ponytail because that's what bad guys had in the eighties. Like I wondered, what does this guy do when he's not working in his, you know, crew neck, black t-shirt and black shoulder padded suit and his like slicked back, like oiled back, like pulled tight back into a, a greasy ponytail that hangs down between his shoulder blades when he's not working. Mm hmm. Does he hanging out by his pool with his like greasy locks like spread out over like why do these guys grow long hair? Anyway, so he and he's got a soul patch and he's British. He's not the, just British. He's like yeah. Cockney, mate. For no reason. And the guy he's he's no longer alive, but uh he was in a million things. Yes. And he's American. He was born in in California. So it's yep. like why is this guy English? What does that what is the purpose of that? Why could he not just be American? I didn't why that made is Jack why not Palance, get a British actor. Why is Jack Palance French? I, I don't know. 
I mean, the only thing I could think of is French Connection. Like, oh, it'd be, it'd be great. It'd be. I feel Stallone in all of this, right? I feel every one of these stupid decisions, I feel Stallone. No, no, what if he's like French or something? You know? <laughs> yeah. It just feels, it feels idiotic. And it's just so pleased with itself in a way that syncs up with every time Stallone drops one of his one-liners when they're in the prison and they're in the shower showering and um oh yeah let's not I've, I've, got, I've got plenty of stuff i want to say about that so let's let's wait just a minute before oh, yeah okay. so we'll the, just this do movie so, is, i'll just say it like this movie is homophobic so we'll just say yeah that. so so they get framed. There's a they go in, they're gonna do this bust, and there's a dead guy there, and the cops bust in, and they've got Kurt Russell's uh uh Kurt Russell's gun. And there are these super famous cops that the media covers their every move, but when the guys bust in to arrest them, they act like they don't know who they are. Right. That was perplexing to me. It was just like you don't know the famous guys, and you don't go and you're like, oh my god, tango and cash. You couldn't have done this crime. You're our super cops, you know, but no, they arrest them and put them in prison. Right. And so they're supposed to go to the country club prison, but and they have a, been rerouted trial. It's a yeah. kangaroo trial, right? Their lawyers don't call any uh, counteractive witnesses. So there's a guy, they have a tape that is a doctored tape. Mm-hmm. And the guy who testifies turns out to be the guy who made the tape, Right. But there's no the defense doesn't call any forensic expert to counter be like this could be right. It's all just a, it's it's one thing on another piles up. It's like we have tape of the guys in the room murdering the guy being like, we can't wait to murder you. Yeah, it was so stupid. It's like, hey, hey, Tango, let's do this crime. OK, yes, <laughs> we are. We are super cops, but we are secretly bad. Did you get that and on then, tape? You know, and then, and then their supervising officers who've known them for however long are like talking like, how bad is it? And he's like, they were found, you know, at the scene of the crime. His prints were on the weapon. They're doing it seems like the murder weapon. And there was nobody else there. And, you know, they, you know, they have no alibi. And, they, and then the guy's like, like, well, it's an, it's, doesn't look good. And you're like, come on. You know, there's n- nobody, no character witnesses are called. <laughs> there's no. no motive ever established. So anyway, so they, the deal, they cut a deal. And the deal is that they're going to do 18 months in a minimum security prison for copying to involuntary manslaughter, which is absurd on the face of it because the scene in which they are in is a cold blooded first degree murder. Right. Mm-hmm. So no DA would do that anyway. So in, in, in a bribe switcheroo, they end up going to like supermax, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, Oh, this whole business is corrupt. Everybody again, where's the media that you, that just doesn't happen. You can't just mm-hmm. root a couple of prisoners that are, you know, slated to go one place you you might be able to get them to the other place but that doesn't just stick you're like oh no they took us to the wrong place guess we'll have to figure this one out which is it wouldn't be like hey i want to talk to my lawyer they put me in the wrong place so literally as they're as they're leading them into the prison there is just burning debris being dropped from the jail cells above them. There's just stuff on fire 
just falling down. And then all the criminals that, uh, uh, that they had put away are all in there and they're all like, Hey, Tango and Cash, we can't wait to rape you. You know, I mean, it's just, right. it's a weird right. thing. So then they have this bizarre shower scene where they're just allowed to go into this huge shower area by themselves, alone. just the alone. alone, just the two of them. And so, as you said, it's, it's, this bizarre thing where it's homophobic, but it's also like, are they trying to make this homoerotic too? Because they, they make a point of showing them naked. Like you see their butts, you know, as they're walking in and it's like, who is this for? Is this for the like 13 year old boy audience? Who's going to watch this, you know? But then there it's this weird thing where, like you said, Kurt Russell drops the soap and they like make, jokes about that you know and, and they make fun of weird. each other's dick right? they make fun Aren't of each other's dicks calling each other tiny and right so they're clearly they're clearly you know taking stock of each other mm-hmm. <laughs> sexually stock. And, and so i'm just, watching this and i'm thinking uh, there has to be i thought there has to be tango and cash fan fiction about this and i looked it up there is tango and cash fan fiction where people have written what's that god bless you i didn't read any of it i just saw like the links to it but people have apparently written fan fiction where it's like they're lovers in the stories (laughs) so i don't know but it's like they're almost I mean, did you feel that like where they're it's almost like they're trying to make it like, oh, yeah, they're, they're trying to make like a sexual this weird sexual chemistry with them. Yeah. Yeah. They're that the was odd, just bizarre. They're the odd couple, you know? Yeah. But you never felt like uh, uh, Riggs and what are what are their names no. in uh, Lethal Weapon? You never yeah, because, felt like, oh, we're trying because, to make them like they're a couple. Because Stallone in this is like. I'm the intelligent one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, you know, Sly, I hate to break it to you, but you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not. You know, this other guy is running circles around you as an actor, as a yeah. character. You know, you're rich and you got the fancy suit or whatever, but he's the uptight one with the hot sister that has chemistry with the partner. And you just don't have the acting chops to even convey the basic. The script is juvenile. It's just, it's terrible. It's a, it's a sack of garbage on fire. And look, is it a more entertaining movie than kill and kill again? Yes, it is. I'll, I'll, yes. I'll concede that. But this movie like kill and kill again bored me. Yeah. This movie made me angry, right? I mean, this movie was like, if you're going to put this money into it and you want to make a fun and rollicking romp, then don't make it offensive. Like mm-hmm. it offends. It's so offensive to so many people casually thinking it's hilarious, right? It's not even innocently offensive because it's naive. It's deliberately, it's like gay jokes are funny because gay, being gay is hilarious these stupid gays like i'm not gay how would you think that and i'm just like like i mean i know 89 was a long time ago but but it wasn't the 50s you know um 
people knew better. There's a violence. There's a violence in it, right? Mm. The making fun of it is a kind of violence. And them showing themselves nude from the back is really a vanity thing. Like, you know, look in what great shape I'm in. But I'm okay. I ain't gay. I'm not gay. You just kind of like relax. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's really upsetting. And then you get the, the here would be stuff. the difference if this movie were made. I don't know if they could do this in 2021, but maybe 10 years ago, they would have been saying like no homo after everything. You know exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Th- that that phrase I don't think existed in 1989, but if it did, they would have been saying that like every other sentence. You know, hey, right. you're a really good uh you're a really good partner. Uh no homo, you know. I don't know. Uh so they get out of the prison. I don't know that we want to get into the whole how they get out, but the the next thing that was funny to me, they get out of the prison. So then they have to go and uh you know, they've got to get information to find because they don't know who the bad guy is. Right. Now they got to solve the crime. So they are just roaming around in the city. They are these two escaped convicts who are these super famous guys. And they and go they're just home, roaming. don't they? They go home. They go out places. They don't put a hat and sunglasses on or anything. They're just walking around with. And then. Kurt Russell goes to, again, just walks right in where there are cops. Nobody pays any attention to him. They have this lab, this LAPD lab, which is basically like uh, <clears throat> James Bond's, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. where they have all these secret weapons that they're developing. Yeah. And Kurt Russell right. goes in and finds his buddy and he's like, I need guns. I need big guns. And it's just like. People are giving him thumbs up and stuff. And it's like, hey, didn't you escape from prison? <laughs> you know. And and his buddy, I forget the name of the actor, but he's kind of like, oh, gee. That I, was a quirky guy that was in a lot of, lot of you know, he was a, he was a character actor. I don't know, actor. Cash. I could get in trouble. And he's like, come on. Oh, okay. I can't say no to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they and have like they a dog a- with a. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. No, they have a some sort of weird surveillance dog that's got like a gun in its mouth and the head explodes. Yeah. And and he shoots him a look like, wow, that's a big bug. And then the other guy's kind of shrugs like, well, we're working on it. <laughs> Kurt Russell literally gives him a thumbs up as he as he walks away. And I thought, what a trooper Kurt Russell was, because it's like, you know, he had to be like, wow, this is lame. I'm just doing a thumbs up to this guy, you know, or he was just like. It's a good paycheck, right. you know. They were all doing a lot of coke. Yeah, that so might have been the thought you know. that I had. Anyway, so then they get they they give them a truck that's like a super. It's right out of the A team. It's an SUV. It's got like a Gatling gun on the side, and I mean it's just bonkers. And they're very excited about it. Again, they're like twelve year old kids with the new Matchbox car that's like the coolest thing ever, and they get in this assault vehicle. I mean, there's a lot of blah, 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 where they chase down some leads or something. Well, let's and... let's cut back just to, for a second to where um, Kurt Russell meets uh, Stallone's sister, played by Terry Hatcher. So he goes to this club to find her, and she's an exotic, I don't know, it's a... Sort of. 
sort of, but she's not naked. I mean, she's just like, I mean, you know, it's a like sexy a, dance. It's a it's sexy a, dance, but it's, it's this big club that's got a sort of a stage and a, a long ramp that comes down to it and women come and dance and Kurt Russell goes back there and they're topless and stuff, but we don't ever see anybody topless on stage. No. So it's like a strip club, except we don't see anybody strip and the like star performer is uh Terry Hatcher. And she plays the drums, like you said, Sheila E style. And she's Tango's sister and mm-hmm. she rides a motorcycle off stage at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and she's wearing a kind of a bikini when tights, it's to clearly a sexy dance, but she doesn't strip. Um, and you know, it, it, it's like a, a fun place. Like people are having a good time. Like she's drumming and then there's lots of reaction shots of people like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> and was <laughs> that a thing that place? ever existed? That it was just like a huge club where women would dance, but they weren't exactly strippers and, it's like this elaborate stage thing, you know. I don't, I don't, maybe that existed in the 80s. I don't know. I, I don't but know. so they then, go back. Then a hundred cops start filing in. Yeah. So they have to get out. And again, the movie thinks this is hilarious. So the way that they get out is Terry Hatcher has, she has a motorcycle helmet on. So she's in I disguise. About this. And then Kurt Russell is dressed like a woman and he's gotten. And- done this in 30 seconds right and he's got yeah the whole drag he's got a wig he has makeup on and so one of the cops stops him and says hey red and kurt russell turns around and you know he's this yep guy dressed as a woman and the cop says oh you must do aerobics in in heels in heels yeah and but the cop says hey you must do aerobics Yeah. yeah So they get on the motorcycle and, and the so, cop. So wait, 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 because there's a okay. lot more offensive crap in here. Okay. So then, so Terry Hatcher has come out in leather and a motorcycle jacket and they've stopped her and she's like, what's the problem? And she gets on the bike and the other guy is like, you know, messing with Kurt Russell. And she turns around and says something like, stop messing with my property or something yes. like that. And then he yeah. makes some comment about dykes on bikes. Hey, Sarge. Well, before that, he right? says, Hey, how about a threesome? And yeah. Right. So then they, she's like, no, you know, buzz off or whatever. So another cop comes out and the guy and the first cop. Yeah. That's where he says, eh, dykes on bikes. Am I right? And it's, Sarge, and again, like, like the movie commanding officer. Thinks this yeah. is the funniest stuff the movie can imagine. Yeah, the movie this thinks is this is hilarious. These are these are punchlines, right? These are like hold for laughs as the audience, you know, collects themselves from their hysteria. And and uh, I wonder, yeah. did that even play in 1989? In 1989, where people were like that's hilarious, lesbian jokes know. are so hysterical. So he comes walking off, and it's all kind of like sexy lighting and there's a sax i think there's a sax playing it's like probably yeah i don't recall but i'm sure there was there's nothing more 80s than a sax right right and then the sexy one comes out it's cat russell and in a red wig <laughs> and they drive away getting away with it getting away with it <laughs> 
Oh, that's Gabriel Cash. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that was the that. really super glaring thing. Because I don't recall... I seriously how many... thought about putting a still of him in drag as the uh, episode art for this episode. That would be and pretty, I, you know, representative of the film. I think it would. I think it would. But I chose to go with one of the two of them just because it's a little more on the nose. And I didn't want to tip our hand. I didn't want to give it the impression that this is some sort of, you know, um, underground sleeper hit, like it's secretly awesome. And there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of this great campy stuff in it because it's not, it's terrible. So I just want to be like, yeah, it's these two bozos. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, but again, that uh, I was just, I was kind of shocked because I don't recall like that slur being used in movies. Really? I mean, I don't know that there was a lot of, it was pretty like, I think by that time they weren't even calling, you know, they weren't referring to gay men with slurs. They had sort of been like, well, you can't say that anymore. So I feel like this is like, uh, nobody will get mad if we slip one of these in here. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. This, the movie thinks it's hilarious. It thinks it's edgy. It thinks it's, you know, original. And it's really just a bunch of lazy, offensive cliches again and again. And I, Jack Palance is insane. You can't stop watching him. And Kurt He's Russell, underused, though, you know? Yeah, he's underused. And Kurt Russell... Um, really commits to the what he's been given here like he's really i don't know kurt russell's very watchable i don't it didn't make me angry to watch kurt russell the material's bad but he is doing the part as written with a plum right mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be the son of gleeful jackass that gets away with everything and that's what he does in this movie so i mean i think he hands in a, and then stallone is supposed to be the kind of like I'm the smart, you know, um, sophisticated one. And yeah, sophisticated, like, oh, exactly. Just, just will you just go back to <laughs> Rambo or whatever? Like mm-hmm. it's just so bad. Yeah. At least in at least in Dread, in Judge Dread. I say I've never seen him do anything funny. I think there is a sort of thing where he in judge dread he got a little bit playful with how uptight like how the character was sort of a character of himself and he had some fun with that you know the he he had other characters making fun of him he stallone likes to have other people impersonate him in the movies you know mm-hmm. i am the law and stuff like that he has other people imitate him in the movies and i think he's actually he's the closest to funny when he is sort of winking at himself and i didn't see any of that at all in this movie no um i just thought him i you know it made me think well why didn't stallone ever do a self-produced hamlet you know to illustrate what incredible (laughs) range he's got yeah anyway now i'm yeah. just bitter we're uh, so so then they get in this sort of supercar and they somehow figure out it's jack palance and they oh jack palance shows up to the prison when they're supposed to kill him 
there's like an electrocution scene that's weird and they sort of figure out who he is and they hear his name or something so they get this supercar and they go after him and his his drug base is somehow in like a mining operation like it's this huge thing with like land moving machines and it's out and there's right. hills the location makes absolutely less than zero sense but it gives him another opportunity excuse me for a a second crash up derby scene which they launch into that goes on way too long i think i was nodding off this was the worst part of the movie i felt yeah i was yeah. just bored at this point yeah you know like, the, just the rest of the movie yeah the rest of the movie i didn't feel bored but with this it was just like i don't care about this car chase stuff you know so guess what they finally win and then they they've been sort of fainting at this impulse to high five each other a couple of times throughout the movie finally at the end they high five and there's this sort of glee like oh look at it we did it and it's a it's a freeze frame is like tango and cash the tango and cash and, it, and we have a newspaper like, hero cops win yeah. in the end or whatever and it's like exactly. it's on the front page of the paper because people like nothing more than to read stories about hero cops, right? right. <laughs> and then it cuts to the credits. It's an 80 anthem, a rock and roll 80s anthem for you. <laughs> and you just kind of like this whole thing was paint by numbers written by somebody who didn't understand what they, you know what I mean? It's just the whole thing is absolutely terrible. Yeah. It's bad. So do I recommend it? I don't. I mean, unless you like for stupid movies to make you angry, then sure. But I don't see anything of merit in this. I mean, it's kind of nice to see Kurt Russell young because he's a good looking guy. And, and Kurt Russell, Palance, I was thinking, has crazy. I'm sure he. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jack Palance is crazy. I'm sure. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure. Kurt Russell has played a bad guy at some time or a character that you're supposed to hate or whatever. But Kurt Russell is so charming that even in a not great movie, that charm shows through, I think, pretty much in everything he's ever been in, you know? So, yeah, Kurt Russell is, you know, is Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is watchable. Yeah. And Stallone... Yeah, making dad jokes doesn't work, and that's the thing. The I laughed a lot in this movie just at just at the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, I didn't derisively. laugh. At, yeah, I didn't laugh at any of the actual jokes because they're they're corny and stupid, and they were corny and stupid in 1989. It's not like yeah, and, oh, you're looking back, it, you know, and thirty worst, years later. So they're they're corny and stupid as a baseline and stale and they're they are more than occasionally actually offensive to modern mm -hmm. sensibilities where you're like that's just not only that's just not funny and lazy but now you're really punching down at a whole group of people. like you don't you don't need to be you don't need to say that that's just a shitty thing to say you know it's not a funny joke yeah and yeah, i, I exactly. felt like that mostly was in stallone's mouth but anyway um yeah. So, the, I mean, do you do you agree with me or do you recommend it? No, I mean, I, I feel pretty much the same way. I mean, it's it's a, you know, 
from a technical standpoint, it's a well-made movie. I mean, it yep. looks it yep. looks like Lethal Weapon. It it probably yep. I don't know what the budget was on it, but it probably had a big budget. It made sixty three million dollars, and I'm I can't imagine that it made much of a profit, if any. You know, um, but it's not yeah. that it's incompetently made. No, uh, from a, from a technical standpoint, from a lighting and sound and set and design standpoint, it's just it's full of cliches. The lighting is cliche. The costume is cliche. The script is cliche. Right. I watched Cobra, uh, which is another Stallone, you know, bad action movie that I that Stallone maybe directed. I'm not sure. But I think it's a worse movie than this, just from a technical st- I mean, it's bad. It doesn't um, have Jack Palance and uh, Kurt Russell in it. Yeah, it doesn't have Jack Palance and Kurt Russell in it. Uh, it you do trade. Uh, uh, you do have Brigitte Nielsen, though. So you've traded, uh, which he's bad, too. But um, yeah, it's not it's not really <laughs> worth your time. But it's this is a movie that I would not be surprised if it's remade at some point. Really? You know, I I was reading, you know, I guess it didn't do that well in theaters, but has a it has a cult following from what I was reading. Um, I mean, people talk about, you know, this movie, the, the reason why I said, hey, you know, what do you think about Tango and Cash is it came up on. I don't know where I saw it, but like on an Instagram post, somebody was talking about Tango and Cash. And so I was like, ah, you know, that's supposed to be a good one, I think. But. Yeah, but I I wouldn't be surprised if this would would be remade, but I don't think today you can do that trope of the system is against the cops, you know, because I think definitely it has changed the way people view police now compared to then. You know, we know there's a lot that we know now that we didn't know back then. And I, I don't think the the cop working against the system because the system you know is just a bunch of bean counters or whatever i don't i don't know that that plays in 2021 or whenever this would be but i wouldn't be surprised i mean did you uh, watching this movie i was thinking did you ever see the one um i forget what the title of it is the good guys or whatever the one with uh mark Wahlberg and will ferrell were there cops did you it's a dumb movie, but it's okay. So this is a spoiler, but it opens with um, it has the rock and Samuel L. Jackson. And they're the like eighties action star cops, right? Who just are super cool and do everything right. And Will Ferrell and, and uh, Mark Wahlberg are like these loser guys, right? They were, you know, in the, the same police station. So they're just always going around the rock and Samuel L. Jackson, you know, they're, they're just like these guys in in this movie where it's like they do these busts and everybody, all the other cops love them and high five them and stuff. And it goes on for like 20 minutes or so of them doing all these heroic things. And uh, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell are like, oh, man, they're so cool. You know, I wish we could do some things like them. And there's a scene where The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are chasing these bad guys and they're up on the roof of a building and. Uh, it's like they're going to have to jump over to the next building and they're like, okay, we're going to do it right. We're going to jump. And they're like, yeah. And they jump and they fall to their deaths. <laughs> and so the next thing, so you think like, oh, they're going to jump and do this heroic thing. And instead it's like, oh, we horribly miscalculated this. And like they fall and hit the ground. And then the next thing is like 
their police funeral. <laughs> That's actually it's crazy. really funny in the, in the movie. Uh, but I kept thinking of that watching this because they're, they're basically playing the characters, you know, from this, but they're only in it for like the first 20 minutes or so, but it's actually a pretty, it's actually a pretty funny movie. Uh, I don't know when I'll check that out, but I do think Mark Wahlberg is capable of, of pretty funny stuff. Of course, I like him in comedies. I like him playing he's he's great in comedies i i don't buy him in serious roles i just don't think it works but he's good at, at playing somebody he's good at making fun of himself as somebody you t- well did you see the departed i think he's great in the departed yeah he, and he's yeah. a character that's very funny uh but he's not a character that thinks he's funny like right. he's a wise ass boston cop that you know is constantly making fun of other people but he doesn't conceive of himself as a clown. Yeah. I think in roles where he's playing the sort of straight man doing ridiculous things, he actually pulls that stuff off really well. It's another thing where he, he's like Stallone to me where he's not a dumb guy in real life, but he's, he's good at playing dumb guy roles, you know, like Ted or did you ever see pain and gain? Yeah, that was great, actually. Yeah, and I'm not. He's I don't really love Michael Bay. That's Michael Bay, right? No, yeah, but that was that was Michael. Like, I don't tend to like. No, nope. oh, Michael Bay or Michael Mann. Mike, it was Michael Bay, and that movie was Michael Bay's passion project. Like, yeah, he, I don't, I don't love you know, a lot of Michael Bay's stuff, but that movie I thought was really good. He killed, it, killed it in that movie, you know, and yeah. that I think that's the best The Rock has been. Um, you know, that's as good as Mark Wahlberg has been. Uh, yeah, he's great at those kind of roles, playing the dumb, you know, that dumb guy. And that the is funny a movie, dumb guy. That is a movie about two dummies. Yeah. Who do, who, you know, and there's death. It's deadly serious what mm-hmm. happens. It's kind of dog day afternoon. It's like these two, in, you know, incompetent clowns who know just enough to really do damage and get themselves in trouble, try and pull off a heist. And everything goes pear-shaped. Mm-hmm. And it's a comedy and it's a Michael Bay Hollywood like action movie. It, it pulls off being a number of different things. And my my complaint with Michael Bay's movies are genuinely they're a lot of style and not much substance. This actually had some pathos to it. Exactly. Yeah. Like I say, it was his I remember at the time, like reading about it, it was he said it was his passion project. So it had a soul to it that the other stuff that he does doesn't, you know, the Transformers and all that. And it's um, not about some underdog. It's about a couple of, you know, dummies who just decide they want to be criminals because mm-hmm. they're badass. Right? Yeah. And it's it's really good. It is very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, it didn't it didn't do very well. Like it kind of flopped and, uh, you know, didn't I don't think got a lot of credit. But, yeah, it was. There's a Michael Bay movie that I really enjoy. So, yeah. So I would have have said that's an oxymoron. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's not many of those. I mean, didn't he, did he do the, at least like the first um, bad boys? Is that Michael Bay or is that probably actually somebody else? Probably, but that's Martin Lawrence and. Jamie Foxx? Who's the other guy? No, it's Will Smith. And that's another Will thing Smith. where Will where Will Smith 
it's the same thing as this movie where it's like he's a rich guy who chooses because I think he drives a Ferrari, but he chooses to be a cop. It's like he inherited a bunch of money or something or his family was rich. I've ever actually seen all of Bad Boys, but I would say that if you put Martin Lawrence, it's Martin Lawrence, yeah? Yes. If you put Martin Lawrence and Will Smith in a movie together, you'd have to be pretty bad to mess that up. Like those two guys are both capable of carrying a movie. So if most of the movie is the two of them interacting, you'd have to drive it off a cliff to make it not enjoyable. I'd Mm -hmm. say, you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't, I haven't seen the third one, but I, I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen the first two for years, but I, I enjoyed them at the time, you know, for what they are. I mean, there was um, a time when Will Smith was the only guy that could reliably open a movie. Yeah. You know, it's like he could literally make any movie he wanted because he was alone for a stretch of years. The one actor that could just play that card. It's like, you know, if I'm in the movie, it opens. <laughs> and yeah. You don't have more power than that as an actor in Hollywood. You know, that mm-hmm. you get like. You could get crazy things. You could get points on the movie. You could get blessing on like, I want approval on Final Cut. Like you get insane because if you could guarantee that, it's just they'll say yes to almost anything you ask for. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. And he did good. He made it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. He was great. He made good choices, too. You know, I was thinking about this the other day with Arnold. When you look at Arnold's career. Arnold, you know, I don't know if it was him doing it or his people or what, but he had a string there for a while where everything he did worked, basically, yeah. you know, because uh, he had he Terminator. Had, I, I think he had good people, but I also think that he had good instinct. I mean, that's something he, you see. Yeah. He just understood camera and that's part of the weightlifting and it's part of the politics, but you just sort of see it. This is a guy that kind of understood the medium and popularity and the business. And I think that he that influenced him probably putting a really good team around himself. But I think he was able to trust his gut on projects during that phase of his you know, professional life. He because, knew what he could do and what he couldn't yeah. do. And, you and know, what he could slam dunk, you know, exactly. Like, oh, I could be great at this. Yeah. And when you compare, you know, he and Stallone were the two big guys at the time, but outside of Rocky and Rambo, you know, Stallone didn't do a lot of stuff that really worked. Whereas Arnold, you know, he had, you know, the Conan movies, he had, uh, the Terminator movies, he had total recall. And then he got into the comedy stuff where he did twins and kindergarten cop. And he did, uh, you know, he went back with James Cameron and did true lies, which was, you know, kind of action comedy. True. And so there for a while, it's like actually really good. Um, True lies was great. Yeah. Kindergarten cop had memorable moments and twins had Danny DeVito. And the two of those guys played well off each other. I, I'm not going to say that he's got a great comedic career, but no. they weren't they weren't the, the disasters that like Stallone is actively unfunny. Like, right. The harder he tries to be funny, the worse it is. Schwarzenegger understands comic timing 
You know, it's just that yeah. he can't. He didn't try to do something that was so outside of type, like kindergarten. Cop. Exactly. He's the kind of you know, the last cop you would want running a kindergarten, which is perfect because he gets to be the wound too tight straight man, and the kids get exactly all kind of climb all over him. And he was good at the slow burn that became the hot burn. You know, I mean, I remember that it's not a tumor. Ha ha ha! It's not a tumor. Everybody, <laughs> nobody will ever forget that. You know, great, 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 great bit in that movie, and the fact that he could even. The fact that there is that one bit that you remember illustrates that he could do it. Exactly. Yeah. And twins, you know, he's this, this giant kind of man child, basically, you know, he's this guy who's been sheltered and is just this very sweet, innocent, you know, soul in this big bodybuilder, you know, body. Um, And yeah, and he gets to play off of Danny DeVito. You know, so yeah, he, that, it's, you know, looking back, like you said, he, he had great instincts, I think, with what he, with the roles that he picked. Anyway, this is becoming the longest episode we've ever read. It, it is, yes. Chris um, and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. All the socials, please like, subscribe, uh, send us an email. And no idea about next week unless you have something that you've uh, I thought got of. no idea. But, you know, yeah. if we hadn't, if I hadn't ranted so long about this one, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the TV stuff you had turned me on to. You know, what if I've been watching that and oh, okay. watched um, brand new cherry flavor. And then I even watched all of the um, Undone on Amazon oh, cool. that also had uh, Bob Odenkirk and. I'm ashamed of myself. What's her name? Her name is Rosa Red. Salazar. Salazar. Rosa Salazar. I believe that's correct. I thought Rosie Perez. No, it's Rosa Salazar. She's terrific. She's the best part. And that's a strong cast. I didn't think that the that the ending was all that satisfying of that mm. thing. And that I found the animation distracting a little bit. But it, I gobbled it up. I watched the whole thing. So Cool. Um, yeah, and, and uh, maybe whatever we end up doing for next week, we can spend some time talking about what if, because I really enjoy that too. It's only okay. two episodes in so far, but I like them both. Very nice. It's well, very nice. Very nice. Well, we'll come up with something. Okay. So it'll be a we'll surprise for next week. It'll be a little bit of a surprise, folks. Exactly. Uh, but tune in with us, and we'll talk about whatever it is, and... Until then, we will talk to you next week.